I want you to turn in your Bibles to two passages. Matthew 24, we're going to end with John 3. John 3 is where I'm going, to be honest. I, I've been traveling, and I've, I've been on the road a lot, a lot in my car, and uh, a lot of time alone, and I've had a lot of time to think and process and pray. And there is something, I'm telling you, I have two messages to preach today, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't normally do this, it's just what's on my heart. Um, I, uh, I got to uh, go to my uncle's funeral uh, yesterday. It was, um, he, he passed away, and uh, I, I got to spend that time with my mom, which was good. My mom's actually here with me in church today, which is awesome. It's always great to have mom with me. You can, you can give my mom a clap. That's great. Moms are special. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you about something. I would not be here today without her. That's, that's the truth right there. Um, but I love my mom. I love the opportunities to spend with her. And she honestly has made a huge impact in my life. My, her sacrifice of all she's done to get me where I'm at today in life. And I'm so grateful for her. But uh, we're driving and there's so many things that have been coming to my heart and mind just about what's going on in our lives. And um, I, I need to do this long introduction, actually this, this message, and then just close in a different way, setting up for next week. But 2020 has been such a, it was such an odd year, different. And I, I, think, I think a lot of times we look at it, we're looking at all the heartbreak and the disasters and the division and the fighting and the politics and the pandemic and all this other stuff. And it and, 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 and all of a sudden, we can look at it from a CNN perspective, or we can look at it from a biblical perspective. You guys know what I'm saying? And, and I, I want to I pull you guys in to however you turn on the news and whatever you do in life, it needs to be through the eyes and the lens of the Bible. We, 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 we look at this, and I say it's a, it's, it was a bad year. No, it was, it was a prophetic year. It was, I, I think God was doing it to, to waken us up, to, to stir us up, to, to grab our attention. And you know what the cool thing about it is? God did not just get the church's attention. God used it to get the world's attention. Being around people, people talk about it and all the things that are going on and the things that have changed and things. And so I, I, I'm going to tell you now, if you want a deeper dive into what I'm about to teach and say through the, the main part of this message today... Uh, you can go to our website. I taught on this. It was four questions about end times that we were going through. Question number two, I started this at the beginning of June, and, and I, I did a deeper dive than what I'm doing now, but this is a lot of the same information. So if you're here for that, it's, it's going to be a refresher. If you weren't for this, I hope you take notes and apply these things to your heart. So thankful for everybody tuning in online. I know we would rather be together in person, but I'm just thrilled to death that you're taking the time right now to listen to the Word of God. And, and I pray that we can still be together in spirit as we pray together and pray for each other through this. Jesus was teaching and he was talking about prophetic things. They were, they were curious. They wanted to know. And so the Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us. When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And this passage is filled with prophecies, filled with things that are going to happen. And I'm going to tell you where this gets mixed up a lot, because when we talk about end times, end times a lot of people read into things and add into things that are not there. 
And what some things that, that are t- talked about in these passages, when you get into Matthew 24 and 25, some of the things that God was talking about or Jesus was telling us is referencing the second coming. Some of us talking about the rapture. Some of us talking about the millennial reign. And some of us talking about the seven years of tribulation. So we can pull some of it and apply now. And that doesn't apply now because he was talking about something that's going on later. So we have to be careful not to take what Jesus is saying out of context, even though it can make some great messages. Like, man, this is going to happen. And well, well, wait a minute. That's taken out of context. We don't want to take it out of context. And he said this, and he said, What shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world? I'm going to be honest. If a preacher starts talking about the end of the world, he's going to be considered a weirdo in our culture today. Noah was considered a weirdo in his culture as he was building a boat saying, hey, you better get ready. Something bad's coming, something big. God's going to judge the earth. And they were sitting there, you're a weirdo. And the Bible talks about it. It's the days of Noah, so shall the coming of man be. I'm going to tell you now, I'm okay with being considered a weirdo by the world. Because everything that I will teach and preach, we pull out of the word of God. And it is important that we give this. Because here's the thing. As culture decreases and gets away from the word of God, the more they get distant from what the truth is, the more these things seem radical. Because the only time when they hear these things talked about, it's talked about in a joking manner from HBO TV and and, and Netflix shows. it's, It's a joke. Satan wants to make this a joke. He wants nobody to be ready for what's coming, but it needs to be preached. And <clears throat> people need to know what's going on. I'm going to give you biblical principles. And these are things that we need to understand about what's going on right now so that you can say, okay, that applies to scripture. I'm not drawing a timeline. I'm not going to say, because of this, get ready tomorrow. I think you should be ready tomorrow because God could come back tomorrow. But I'm not going to tell you that God's coming back tomorrow because the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. If anybody starts preaching to you saying, I know when Jesus is coming back, ask the date because that's not when Jesus is coming back because no man knows the day nor the hour. No one knows, not even the angels in heaven. Only God knows. So let me point out three biblical principles that explain the times that we're living in. Number one, principle number one, the world will decline from the curse. The world will decline from the perk, from the curse. And I say this because the whole thing that's happening around us, when he's saying, what are the signs of the coming in the end of the age? The Bible says from the very beginning, and I'm, I'm, I'm painting this picture for you this. In Genesis 3.17, and Adam and Eve sinned. And after Adam and Eve sinned, God was taken to explain the consequences of what was happening. He said, cursed is the ground for thy sake. Cursed is the ground. Now we know that sin passed upon all men for all have sinned. But we have to understand it wasn't just sin that passed upon men, but sin that passed upon this earth. The ground was cursed. It brought forth thorns and thistles. We've talked about that in the past. Talked about the ground, this world would be in turmoil because of this. The world that we live in is sick. It's sick. Not just the people that live in it, but the world that we live in is dying. The wages of sin is death. You say, why at the end does God have to create a new heaven and a new earth? Because of the fact of the sickness that is taking its toll on the world that we live in. Think about this. Think about how much the world acknowledges this and they talk about this all the time. Save the trees. Save the whales. Save the oceans. Save the ozone later. 
save the the rainforest, save our world, drink out of a paper straw instead of a a plastic straw. There's just all these different things that they're constantly saying. Think about how often they're doing some sort of campaign about save, 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 save this world. You know why they're talking about that? Because they know that it's dying and things are falling apart and things are getting worse. And the world is crying out for things to be rescued. I'm here to tell you as Christian perspective that there's nothing that we can do to save the world. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be responsible. And, and, and sometimes we have that perspective. I'm, I'm, don't throw junk in the ocean. I'm, I'm not telling you that we should do any. But I'm saying it's for reversing the signs of the curse. And they sit there and talk about during the politics and everything else about global warming. The world is suffering. The world is falling apart. And we look at it from a, a biblical perspective and say, hey, the world is cursed. It's cursed. It's got a sickness. It's falling apart. I, I was... Um, Helped uh, John and Jennifer Schlebach. They they were a family in our church that uh, moved to South Florida, and uh, Jordan and myself were able to go down there uh, last week and help them move. Um, and so we were down in that uh, Naples area, and in the morning before we got up to fly back home, we were going down by the pier and by the beach and getting some sights. And there was a tour guide that was doing things like that. We got close to the water. So as we got closer to the water, we started coughing. And he said, you guys are going to be careful. We're in red tide. How many of you ever heard of red tide right now? Okay, so a lot of you guys. They said, we're in the middle of red tide right now. And so with this, this um, with the algae and the different things that are happening, chemical things in the water and stuff like that, begins to kill the fish, change the color of the water. It turns brown and turns like red, and it begins to look nasty and disgusting. It kills the fish and the sea life that's in there, and it starts washing it up on shore. And it's, if you Google it, it's fascinating of, of what's happening in the world right now. And I went up to the tour guide, and everybody was talking about it. I've been here many times. I've never seen it this bad. I've never seen it like this. I've never seen it this frequent. And the tour guide that was standing there, he said, I don't know what's going on. And he said this to me. He said, I've lived here a long time. I think Mother Nature is trying to get our attention because this is very abnormal. He said, I'm not saying the red tide, but he said it's just becoming more and more infrequent or more and more frequent of what's happening around, around us. I, we got on the plane. This was hours later. I got on the plane and there's a TV screen in front of me and they have different things that you can watch while you're flying. And I, I watched this, uh, this documentary that was talking about our great earth. I got on there and they're talking about the Big Bang Theory and how all these particles came together to form everything that we have. Let me tell you, if you can believe the Big Bang Theory, you have more faith than I do. Like all these things just randomly happen and DNA, the things that scientists can't even figure out and it baffles their minds, just randomly particles coming together to form what we have here today. And, but the, the point of the thing is, they said, and now something's happening in the world. And I'm quoting this, the PBS and uh, Discovery Channel, whatever it was that put out this documentary. And they said, we have had a massive increase when it comes to hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis, and all these things. And their thing was, Mother Nature must be mad at us. It's funny. And we come back and say, well, I can tell you it's not Mother Nature that that's a problem. It's the curse that is the problem in this world. Same trip, same season that we just came out of. We were at Jenny's parents' house. We were in northern Georgia. And they have this concrete ring that goes around their mailbox and it slid down the hill. 
Her dad would said, I'm not, I, I can't lift that up and drag it up, but I thought with all of us guys, we could do it together. And I said, how did it slide like that? He said, Tony, it was the weirdest thing. We had an earthquake here in northern Georgia, and it shook all of our houses, and it shook this. I, I, I'm trying to bring the light. When the Bible talks about the world is cursed and all these things going on, Romans speaks about the effects of sin in Romans 8.22, and it says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth, and travaileth in pain together until now. It's, it's, it's groaning. It's, it's sick. The Bible talks about Matthew, about it being like labor pains, about how at the end, how it gets more intense. We see our world falling apart like this. We have to understand, cursed is the ground, and it's running its course. It, it, I say this because of the fact is we've, we've grown up in church, or a lot of people have grown up in church, and they've heard the signs and all these different things that are going on, and they start pointing out specific signs of things, and I'm trying to point out specific principles that are going on, that even the world around us is beginning to step out saying, hey, this is weird. Hey, this is not normal. Hey, this is getting worse. Why? I'm not going to point and say the next earthquake that we have, that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I will tell you this, that the world is cursed, sin is running its course, and the world is on a decline. It's not just Mother Nature mad at us, it's, prof- it's prophecy being fulfilled before us. Long introduction, here's principle number two. Sin will multiply and spread. I'm taking this straight from you. I'm not saying the sin will get bad. And I think a lot of times we viewed that just saying, man, things have gotten so bad. Sin is just as powerful today as sin was in the past. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve had two kids. One of them stood up and killed the other kid. Things were bad back then, okay? From the very beginning, sin has run and has been evil. They, they used to burn Christians at the stake. They would throw them to the lion's den. They would torture them and all those kind of things. We can look back at the Holocaust and say that, man, that was wicked and things. We can look back at Sodom and Gomorrah and be able to say, wow, things were really bad. So to sit there and say, sin is worse today, sin is not worse today. Sin has always been bad from the very beginning. It's always been. It's part of the curse. And they had, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So we have but he, Jesus keeps teaching in this, and I'm, I'm pointing out these passages that he's talking about the end, the end, the end. And he says in Matthew 24, verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Iniquity is a violation of the law. It's wickedness. It's unrighteousness. It's rebellion or rejection of God. Now, I'm going to show you that what he's saying is going to abound is iniquity. It's a matter of God's drawing boundaries. He takes the word of God and says, thou shalt not. This is what this is. This is what. And I'm saying all the way across the board where God defines what is right between a man and a woman. God defines what is marriage. God defines what is gender. God is the creator of all these things. What happened with man is they turned around and they sat down the word of God. They blurred the lines and now they're walking like this. Well, they're talking about that man has pulled out all the boundaries that God has set. Now we get to a day and age, and I say this with all empathy and I say this with all heart. When you take away what is right and wrong and what works and doesn't work, and you have a generation growing up in a society that takes out truth, that takes out light, that they're walking around in darkness, then you have eight-year-olds that don't know if they're a male or a female. God is not the author of confusion. 
for the very fact, and sometimes we can get so brazen about this and say, it makes me so mad. It should make us so broken. It should break our hearts that there are people that don't even know who they are. It's no longer, why am I here and where am I going? Now the question is, what am I? They've lost their identity because we were made in the image of God. We were made with purpose. We were made to know who we are and to take to be able to glory in those things because of the fact is that I am made perfect in the image of God. I'm not talking about perfection, but we are fearfully and wonderfully made and God makes no mistakes. But when sit there and say, I've got to change myself to be happy because I don't know what I am. That's confusion that they put themselves through things that is horrible in their lives because they don't know what they are. I'm talking about the world that we live in. Because somewhere along the line, we, we, we begin to lift up the boundaries. We took out what defines, we took out the book that tells us. And that's what iniquity is talking about in the Bible. But it says this, that iniquity will abound. The word abound means this, to multiply. Now, I need you to understand, you said, wait a minute, you said that sin's always been sin and sin's always been bad. Absolutely, sin has always been sin and sin's always been bad. But the Bible's talking about coming to a point in time where sin multiplies. You say, how is that possible? Let me take you on a little trip and bring you back to this. And, and, and I'm sorry for being so topical with what I'm doing right now and trying to do this, but I promise you, if Christians don't understand what's going on, we're going to have the wrong attitude and the wrong perspective. We're not going to walk into 2021 as Christians, but as, as angry Democrats and Republicans. Before I am either, I am a child of God. I represent a different country and I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I preach truth, not my opinion. If we're going to change the world, it can't be because we beat Facebook up about what I'm angry about, what I'm upset about. Am I frustrated? Yes. But I'm telling you, I look to the one that is not frustrated because he's got it all worked out. We better be careful because I tell you what's going on in our world right now can affect our hearts. And the more it affects our hearts, it affects our witness. The world needs us now. The world needs you right now. The world needs truth right now. And we're not going to give truth when we have nothing but bad attitudes that stink and make people run the other way. And I'm not talking about compromise. You guys hearing me? I'm preaching right now. I'm saying stuff that right now, if this spread out, they'd be like, really? That is, that's fanatical for that church to preach that. I don't care who says what about it as long as I'm standing firm on the word of God. As long as we preach truth. But I tell you, truth will set our children free. For a child to be able to know that I'm made in the image of God will change their life more than going to any psychiatrist that's going to tell them confusion. The Bible says in Daniel 12.4, I'm going to take you to a word that means the same thing, but it's also prophecy. But thou, O Daniel, shut the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Now listen. What's the time of the end? Many shall run to and fro. And that's talking about even in our culture, in our generation, we see that. That, that is when you can get on an airplane and fly to the other side of the world. And a lot of us have done those kind of things. Many shall run to and fro. In our world, in our generation, in our history, we can look back to see where we went from horse and buggy and the Model T car to what we have today in our culture and society. We're talking about recent years of ours. 
and knowledge shall be increased. That word increase is the same word, but only in Hebrew, which means to abound. It says to increase, to bring in abundance, to enlarge, to excel, to be in more in number, to multiply, or to be plenteous. Knowledge would explode. We thought this happened with the printing press. Because they went from having to take parchment paper and write with a quill and be able to transfer knowledge from one thing to another and thought, wow, that's when it happened. But then all of a sudden they, rented, they, they created the printing press and they were able to multiply it. And they were thinking, wow, look at what's going. That's prophecy before us that knowledge would increase. Now today we live in the day of explosive knowledge. Internet, Wi-Fi, 5G, computers, smart TV, smart watches, smart homes, smart cars. Stupid phones too, by the way. They, Google, Safari, Yahoo, Alexa. You can be standing in your kitchen and ask questions about things that are happening on the other side of the world and get the answers within seconds. Can I tell a sad story about my childhood? Can I do that? Is that all right? And mom, this isn't about you at all, so don't worry about that. We would have to do research papers in in school, in high school. Now, I'm old. I know I'm old. I am 44 years old. I graduated in 1995, way back Way back in the 90s. I know it's, it's, it's really old. But I, I graduated in 1995, and they would give us research papers. I could not say, hey, Google, and get the answer. There was a building that they built around the corner from us, and it was called a library. Okay, I know this is kind of new for some people. But it was a building full of books. Now, it was terrible because you had to go in there, and I promise you, to find the little piece of information to get the answer, like, what is the, the capital of Zambia? It could have been like, it, it could take you hours to find out that information. I'm talking about my lifetime, my lifetime. You would go in there, you'd have to have a library card. If you had past due books, you'd have to pay that before they'd let you get the new books out of it. Then you'd have to go up to a giant box and it had drawers all over it. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about right now? There was a giant box. You would pull out the box and you would have to search for topics or information, or book titles, if you knew the book title. You would flip through there, and if the other guy didn't mess it up and mix them up, then maybe you could find it. Then it would have like a Mission Impossible mission. If you choose to accept this mission, you're going to find this book in this massive building. Had a number on it. You would take that number, you would, re- you would go up and down these aisles to find these books. Had a little white tab on the back of it with a number. You would pull that book off, and maybe you would bring that book home. And find that bit, little bit of information that you had to do with your research. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Now, some of you guys grew up in rich people's houses and you had encyclopedias. You know what I'm saying? The guy went to your door, knocked on it, your parents sprung $350 for that encyclopedia because it had all that information. Today, I can just simply say to my phone, tell me. What is the weather right now in Zambia, Africa? And I could get the answer in, in one second. He said, what was the Bible saying? It's for information would explode. But it wasn't just talking about information. Remember, the Bible said that information would explode. But it also was saying in the New Testament that sin or iniquity would explode or abound. You start putting these things together, understanding what the Bible is talking about. Matthew 24, verse 12, because iniquity shall abound. 
What makes this day and age different? What's going on? Let me give you one major example. Let's use the example of what Satan does to attack the very foundation that we stand upon of, of marriage, the home, of morality. We read in the Old Testament about Sodom and Gomorrah about how that was an illustration of sin. Because if the foundation be destroyed, if you start going after marriages and people can't even live right in their own home, there's going to be a lot of trouble that comes down the road. So th- what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, they, they reached a, a boiling point because they had no boundaries. Man with man, women with women, all these things were going on. There was no boundaries. It was sin. The iniquity grew constantly in there. Let, let, let me give you some illustrations. Back when Playboy first started and was published, that was a big thing in America because it was the first demonstration or the outpouring of the spreading of pornography or spreading of immorality during that time. It was in December of 1953, the first, uh, the first one sold 53,991 copies of Playboy. The top selling issue for Playboy was November 1972 of 7.6 uh, million copies was sold. Now, they stood back in that time going, wow, could things possibly get any worse? And remember, iniquity would abound. Not sin is bad, but we're talking about the explosion, the expansion, the multiplication, the easy access to it. Has this issue gotten worse? Let me tell you about just the last like, generation, uh, uh, 10 years even, of our lives. Internet pornography statistics of the United States of America alone. How much is this accessible online? And I, I did this in the message or the lesson that I taught. Every second in America, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet. Every second. Every day, 37 pornographic videos are created in the United States. Every day, 2.5 billion emails containing porn are sent and received. Every day, 68 million search queries related to pornography are made. 25% of all the inquiries that are made are made of of pornography. 116,000 queries related to child pornography are received alone of just child pornography. You talk about, and we sit there today and say, how did human trafficking become such a major issue in our world today? You guys know that it is a major issue. It's a major issue even in Columbus, Ohio. It's a major issue in any place that you go in the world. How did it explode to where we stopped viewing humans as humans and started treating them like possessions? Listen to these things. How has this affected us? About 200,000 Americans are classified as porn addicts. 40 million Americans regularly visit porn sites. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. Listen to how this has affected marriages. And you say, has it had an impact? Has it changed things? You go all the way back to the beginning. God created Adam and Eve at the foundation. What do you think God's go- or Satan's going to do to attack in our culture today? He attacks the home. He attacks family. He attacks marriages. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. Literally, when you find infidelity in marriage, more likely you're going to find pornography use because it pollutes the mind and it makes you dissatisfied and it makes you seek. 68% of divorce cases involve one party meeting a new party over the internet. That that, that didn't happen before. There was the old school way that you actually had to meet a human being, not have an app that opened the door when you're dissatisfied and you go out and you step out on your spouse. 
while 56% of those involve one party having obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Sin has exploded, multiplied. Bad on a big level, bad on a multiplied level. And, and you know what the thing is? And when I say this to you guys, nobody's sitting there going, uh-uh, we see it. It's all around. It affects our marriages. It affects our kids. It affects what we watch on TV. And I could go talk about how it's increased and how it's had an effect on our world and things like that today. It used to be where you'd have to go to an adult bookstore, walk in there in shame, rent a video, and bring it out to your house to even have that. Now you can have it in seconds on your cell phone, on your smart TV, on your iPad, on your tablet, and all these other things. It's easy. You can have it streamed. Do you realize that 40% of everything that Netflix is putting out is rated TV mature? Said TV mature, literally saying that within their, what they're putting out, it's going to have some sort of graphic content to it. But you know what happens? It's put into our homes. It's just everyday entertainment. Now, before anybody starts saying, wow, this guy is really a weirdo. Okay, let me read something to you. I'm going to quote Jesus Christ. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. The world can label something all day long as entertainment. God labels it as sin. And the more we get away from the word of God, the more we get wrapped up. And I say this, as we're talking about what's happening in our culture and in things like that, we need to be aware of what's happening around us is biblical prophecy coming. And we just say, well, things are tough and things have changed and you're old fashioned. It's not about being old fashioned. It's about right and wrong. All day long, it's about right and wrong. And when we begin to sit there and change our standards in our home and change our standards, what we look at, the Bible said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I I will not touch those things that are going to pull me down. And I can promise you this, if we have any men that are here today and you're struggling with pornography, you will struggle in your marriage as well. It is a hook It grabs into your life. And you say, how in the world did you get so far into talking about this issue? Because it is the issue of our world today. It is the issue of our world today. It's not a matter of it just being around us. We're we're literally saturated in this in this world. This is just a small part. We haven't even gotten into the spread of this, of couples and people having 40% of online affairs lead to real life affairs. That wasn't even a thing before. 40% of online affairs lead to real life affairs. You talk about the division that we have. And we we talk about sexual sins. We talk about that in pornography. Well, let's talk about even in social media, division, hate, anger, backbiting, all these things that are going on. We can't even have a good day anymore because I'll look at my phone and walk out of my house mad at the world and mad at everybody else. We unfriend people, we, uh, we poke people, we scream, we yell, we, we debate, we argue. And at the same time of doing all this, you know who's laughing all the way every day? Laughing at us is Satan because he doesn't have to step into our world. He just has to watch us go at each other. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. If we start getting away from the word of God and I start going after people, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to those people that needed Jesus. Because all of these things that I'm talking about drive us, 
drive us to a great falling away. This is where I'm trying to get to, and this is where it's connected to the series that I'm getting into. There's the decline of the world. There's the bounding of sin that he says, but put them together. Matthew 24, verse 12, and because, listen to this, and because iniquity shall abound. He says, because of this, he points to the sin. He points to the, the immorality. He points to the iniquity. He points to the fact that homes and teens and parents and couples will sit there and say, I don't see anything wrong with it. So we walk into anything. He said, because of that, listen to this, the love of many shall wax cold. Sin has an effect. We're feeling it. Let me, let me throw something out here. The word love in this passage is agape. It's God's love. Now I know, I'm, I'm saved, I'm secure. Man, God's, God's but let me, let me tell you what happens. And, and even through all this, what happens is sin pulls us from the book. L- listen to this, sin pulls us. And, and I think there's a danger, and I say, tell everybody that's online right now, guard your heart. I tell everybody here right now, guard your heart. Because what happens is it's a lot easier to flip on Netflix and to watch that or to scroll through that than it is to be in the Word of God. And the more we're away from the Word of God, the colder we get. There should be a passion. There should be a love. There should be a desire. There should be, there should be excitement in God's people right now because we know the truth. And it does something inside of us. And it makes us excited to know that God has this. But the more that I watch Fox News or CNN, the more that I get wrapped up in what they're doing on there, the more it affects my attitude. And I'm not sitting there pointing the word of God that God's in control. I'm sitting there waving my fist saying, man, we're falling apart. It makes us so angry at the world and so angry at each other that we become no good for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be careful. Because it talks about there will be a great falling away. We've experienced this in church. Six to 10,000 churches every year are dying out. In 2014, Lifeway did a statistic. 3,700 churches in one year died. Closed the doors, shut the doors, sold the buildings. We're the one nation under God. We're the people that sit there and brag about how we are a Christian nation. But I tell you, it's not just about churches being built on corners. It's about the love of God being in the love of people, being to the love of others. That, that is what makes us different in the world that we have today. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, that let no man deceive you by any means, for the last day shall not come, listen, except there come a falling away first. I, I believe that Satan will use anything, even COVID, to get people to say, well, I'm just going to watch from home, and then I don't watch every, but every once in a while, and I'm not judging anybody, but I'm saying be careful when we're quick to turn on Netflix, and, but we cannot turn on the TV to even tune into the church service. With a mindset, I'll just catch up on that later. I'll get there, and all of a sudden, I get away from fellowship. I get away from worship. I get away from encouragement. I get away from accountability. I get away from all these things, and I get cold in my heart. If I get cold in my heart, I'm going to be angry at all the people around me. Because I have a desire in my heart to do what's right. But to be honest, I struggle with my flesh. And the more that I feed my flesh, the more that I, 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 I quench the Spirit of God that's living inside of me. 
I'm saying all this and I'm really building up to something because I want us to understand how important this is. He said, he said we, we, in first, or 2 Timothy 3, 1, know, know also this, that in the last days, difficult, perilous times are going to come. They're going to come. We sit there and say, oh, no, 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 I'm telling you, there must coming and falling away first, but I'm going to tell you, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to lead a church that's part of that. I want God because I tell you, he made me a promise that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I can enter into the last days, and I'm not saying it's today. It could be 100 years from now. I don't know. But I can tell you what the Bible says, and I can tell you what I'm seeing on the news, and I can tell you what the Bible says, and I can point to what's happening in our culture right now, and it wakes me up to say, hey, wait a minute. I see something here. I want to be the very best that I can be because listen to this if I am the last voice of God I want to be the loudest voice that I can possibly be if I am the last messenger and I've, I've said this before on Facebook if somebody that's lost gets on to look at your Facebook are they going to find hope or anger if they don't know where else to turn and they don't go to church and maybe the churches that they do go to are closed right now and everything and they're searching for this and they go oh a Christian I go to work with this guy and like Politics, politics, angry, oh wow, me, me, me. And they're like, well, I guess there's no difference in their life as well. I am called to be light in a world that is very dark. And I can tell you that this darkness that comes in, all of a sudden, it can, it can whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or anything else, it can get into my heart and pull me away and all of a sudden, I'm becoming ineffective in a world that desperately needs what I have. And about what I'm saying, what I have, I'm talking about what we have is Jesus Christ. Jesus made this promise, and he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I, I, I want to I close my message out by explaining what Jesus came to do. And how he came to literally flip the world upside down. This is actually my message, but don't get nervous. You still get to go to lunch because I'm only going to close out with this, okay? But I could not get away from telling you guys this. I, I can't tell you. I, I, I thought, I listened, I wrote out all this stuff that I wanted to preach today. And, and it's like, if we don't have an awareness, if we're not like shaking each other up saying, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, if we're not watching the news from a biblical perspective and we don't understand what's going on around us, we are not going to do the job that God has called us to do for this day and age. John 3.16 is the most powerful verse in the Bible. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It demonstrates so much. The way he came, how he came, it, it just baffles our minds. It caught the attention of the world. That is why at a ball game, you can look at a crowd and some dude or some woman's going to be up there holding up a sign that says John 3.16. They're pointing to something that will change their life. It's like if you read nothing in the Bible, read this verse. Let me explain to you why this is so important in regards to what we just studied and what we're going to get into next week. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his son not into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Let me explain. I, I can't begin to explain how messed up we were. Now you sit there and say, man, the world is so bad today. The world has always been bad. 
That's what Romans 5 eight says, but God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was literally saying, when he came to die for us, God was saying, I came to you while you were struggling with your gender, gender identity. I came to you when, when you were caught up in pornography. I loved you when you were so far gone. The love of God blows our mind. It intrigues our mind so much because it doesn't make sense because it goes against our flesh. My flesh wants to be about me. That's why we struggle with being the selfie generation. I want to post a selfie. I want likes on my selfie. I want comments on my selfie. Point out something about me. But Jesus was the opposite. Jesus was come to be humble. He didn't come to ride on the, the throne and, and, and to ride in on the white horse. He came in on a donkey and he died as a servant. And from the way that he came into the world while they were yet sinners, it changed the world. Let me show you this in three simple ways. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son was the generosity of God. Now, I'll be honest, I've never preached this from this perspective. I've never done a series on the, on the very term or the idea of the generosity of God. But next week, we're going to dive into this. The generosity of God. For God so loved the world that was sinners, dying, miserable, messed up, that he gave the very best and he gave his all to meet my need. Number one, it was driven by love. The love of God literally was like, I didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. It came from the love. He loves you so much. It was a matter of who you are, not just what he did. That God so loved the world that he was driven to do whatever it takes. It came from a motivation. You know why Satan's after the love of people? To make it wax cold, to pull us away for us to become apathetic? Because it is the love of God that will drive us to the lost. It is the love of God that will make you love the neighbor that hates you. It is the love of God that will make you do things you would not normally do for people because you want to get vengeance, but God shows mercy. It started with the God being driven by love to do what we would not normally do. For Jesus to be on a cross and sit there and say, I am God, and to look over to a thief and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. We sit there and be blown in our minds saying, why would you do that? He did not deserve that because that is the love of God. No wonder the thing that's going to die off in the last days is the love of people. Because if there's no love, you won't go to church. If there's no love, you're not going to give to church. If there's no love, you're not going to give to your neighbors. If there's no love, you're not going to do what you should be doing. It wasn't just that he was driven by love, but we see the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in this. The generosity of Jesus Christ was sacrificial. Let me explain it like this. As we explain John 3, 16, and we're talking about what Jesus did, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me tell you, I love you guys. I love you. I, I love this church. I, I love our people here. But I don't know if I love you enough to give you one of my kids. I don't know if I love you enough, listen to me, to give the very best that I have. I have, I, I have a wonderful family and I have wonderful things in my life and I would give you the shirt off my back. But when it comes to the, the stretch of that, of how far Jesus went, he said, let me tell you how far I would go. I would sacrifice and give my one and only child for you. 
Why would he do that? Why did God do that? He was demonstrating the extravagance of his generosity of saying, I would go all the way and be all in for whatever it took to meet your need of saving and rescuing your soul. But it started with the love of God. It goes to the sacrifice. But here's what blows our minds about the generosity of God, that it is life-changing, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave us what we needed. Now, I'm going to be honest. The world needs to be having their heads turned by us because I'm telling you, they are, the world has gotten so far gone and so caught up in entertainment and what pleases us and things that all of a sudden that church and religion and everything like this is just stiff and religious and, and I should have to go to church and why, why should I have to go to church and, and, and give in the offerings and all these things. It's have to responsibilities and obligations. But Jesus did something. He came into the world in a way they weren't expecting it. He gave himself as a child. He was born in a manger and he raised up and he sat and ate with sinners even though they didn't deserve it. And he poured on his love and he gave them grace and mercy and they were standing there going, why would he do that? He goes to a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery and he forgives her when she should have been condemned in stone on the spot and he gave her what she did not deserve and it caught the attention of the world. And he did that over and over again. Everything that Jesus did from the manger to the cross shocked the world because he poured out. He gave the very best. He was righteous and he took on sin. He was a king and he became a pauper. He had everything and he became nothing. To be buried in a, in a borrowed tomb to die and cover our sins. It shocked the world. Why? It doesn't make sense. Kings and authors and creators don't do that. Jesus ascended up into heaven and he gave us a mission to continue the work that he did. It is our job to live out the generous life so that people are baffled by what we do and how we give of ourselves. You say the world doesn't deserve it. That is where grace comes in. The world doesn't deserve it. That's where the mercy of God comes in. We don't run from them, we run to them. And you know what we do when we get there? In our lives, if we're following the true mission of God, we don't just give some, like Nathan was talking about earlier. We, we, we sometimes just want to be enough. God wasn't just enough. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his best. He gave it all. He held nothing back. You want to talk about the New Testament church making a difference? It's when we go all in and we say, I'm holding nothing back. I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to do what I'm called to do. I'm going to do it because I love him. Guard your heart and the culture that we live in today because the day that we lose the passion and love of God is the day that we become ineffective for the gospel. 